You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to another week of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Brunt. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Brunt NFL. Shows on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. I uh, yeah, can't do it. Can't do the jersey. A joke you only get if you were watching on YouTube. Go check it out there where we are doing video versions of the podcast. Pretty fun stuff. Also want to shout out the Locked On NFL Sunday live show every morning, 11 a.m. Eastern time. That's 10 a.m. for uh, everybody in Minnesota. No sketches, no celebrity nonsense, no fluff, just football every Sunday morning with hosts Cody Rourke and my good buddy Ross Jackson, who I co-host on Locked On NFL Tuesdays with follow and subscribe to Locked On Live on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. And don't forget to turn on notifications. If nothing else, just do it for Ross and to say thank you to his Saints for what they did to the Packers on week one, which just helped smooth over the sour, bitter taste of defeat as the Vikings fall 27-24 in overtime in the final moments of overtime. A fun nugget from Courtney Cronin. This is the only game in NFL history where the game was tied up as the clock hit zero in regulation and then won as the clock hit zero in uh in the end of overtime and that's great the vikings inventing a new way to lose how wonderful (laughs) it was it was a frustrating day and we're gonna pick up all the pieces here over the next few days um but i guess we should just talk about first the broad strokes so we're gonna get into all of that of course there is the penalty problem we're gonna have to have some discourse about the refs i've seen people blame referees for this game i don't necessarily agree with that i think the the vikings need to take responsibility for that and they probably do but as fans you know I, i don't think we get the refs excuse on this one and we have to talk about how Kirk Cousins played. We have to talk about the defense. We have to talk about quite a bit. So let's let's start with the refs. I think that's the biggest uh, headline of the game is the, the not just the officiating, the quality of the officiating, but the frequency of officiating, which was earned. Um, the refs clearly had a bias against the team that was committing the most penalties <laughs> because they, these were blatant. You had five false starts on the game. You had five accepted holding penalties. You had more declined. Uh, You had a couple of declined illegal formations. You had an unnecessary roughness on Oli Udo. You had uh, a defensive pass interference on Bashad Breland. It was a really messy game. It was really rough. Um, And that is just not good enough. Uh, the, The Vikings were really, really sloppy in this game, especially in the first half. So they come out in the first half. They scored the first touchdown, actually, after a couple of absolutely catastrophic drives with multiple penalties. Penalties. They had four penalties on a drive that I think ultimately had five snapped plays. And, I mean, it was just inexcusable stuff. A whole bunch of false starts, two on C.J. Ham, one on Conklin, one on K.J. Osborne, and one on Brian O'Neill. So that one wasn't even in the offensive line. It was the skill players, mostly. Um, but you also had the holdings and stuff. And even though the Vikings went out to a 7 to nothing lead... Um, the Bengals came back in and scored two touchdowns in the last two minutes of the, the second half, thanks to some problems in the defense, which we'll get to. And then they scored again coming out of halftime because they uh, deferred to start the game. So they got the ball coming out of halftime. So they did the double back thing on us. And then they only got two field goals for the rest of the game on that. They got one more to make it 24 to I think it was 24-14. And then the final field goal at the very end. And the defense kind of clamped down at the end. But the, clearly the damage had been done. 
And if there's one thing to take away from this, it is the penalties. And it's some of it's miscommunication, some of it's jitters, some of it is just getting beat. The holding penalties are often the result of, like, you got beat. This happened to Ezra Cleveland a couple times. This happened to Rashad Hill, like, three times. Rashad Hill had a terrible game. Uh, but this happened to Rashad Hill a couple times, where you just get beat on the inside. You just overset, and the guy beats it to the inside, and he's going to get a free sack. And there's absolutely no uncertainty in your whole mind that he is going to get a free sack. Uh, if you just let him go, it's a sack. It's probably close to a 10-yard loss anyways, so you might as well hold. Maybe you get away with it, and if you don't, you get your down back, and it's probably about the same loss he would have had. It seems like those were the kinds of holds that Rashad Hill was committing. There were a couple on Garrett Bradbury. I think one of them was declined. A couple on Ezra Cleveland. Uh, there was at least one or two on, on Oli Udo. I, I, Brian O'Neill was the only one who didn't commit a hold, but he had a false start anyways, so the whole offensive line got in on it, and it was a really, really abysmal game for the offensive line. Really, really grim stuff from the Vikings on the whole as they started out this game, and they only scored seven points in the entire first half. They settled down, they got a little bit better in the second half, but ultimately, the the penalties were really, really just held the Vikings back, and it's, you know, it's one thing if you make some mistakes and you have miscommunications week one, every team's kind of have, you know, the Vikings are not the only team struggling with this kind of thing, but... It's another thing when it is so prevalent. They had 12 accepted penalties on the game and 17 flags on the whole. 17. It's completely inexcusable. Tony Dungy even called it out in uh, Football Night in America, or I think it was halftime of Sunday Night Football or something like that. He, he called it out. He said, you know, they, they had 12 penalties that just can't happen. And he blamed the lack of preseason snaps. Which is kind of funny because we were just talking about how the Vikings were really stupid for playing Irv Smith in the preseason, but the guys that didn't play in the preseason had all these operational issues. But I don't know if that's true. The guys who played in the preseason, like K.J. Osborne played a ton in the preseason. He had a false start. C.J. Ham played a crap load of the preseason. He had two false starts. And I don't think it was really... I, I, I talked a lot about miscommunication um, like on Twitter during the game, but on rewatch, it just, I don't know, it looks like jitters. I think it's just a nervous team. And for a bunch of veterans, a team that's supposed to be kind of above this, I mean, I don't know. It's their first time in major crowd noise for a couple of years, and maybe they just got caught up in the atmosphere. Um, but I think the the buck kind of has to stop with Mike Zimmer on that and just not having his team in the right headspace. For the second year in a row, by the way, because if you remember week one last year, they came out looking jittery and wrong, and they miscommunicated a bunch, and they couldn't really get their kind of P's and Q's aligned. It just was a disaster. That's the only word I think you can use. It was a disaster. And there were like, you can focus on the silver linings, I guess you can. And we'll talk about, you know, the actual things that happen. But like, it's hard to focus on any of that. Because everything was just so ruined by penalties. Like, how are we supposed to have discourse about like the, the quality of the offense and the play calling? When like, all of it went down to third and 24. In the first half, there were four drives that ended in punts. In the first half, they had one other punt that was a third and six they didn't convert, and then they had a touchdown drive. Here are the other four drives in the third downs that they did not convert. They had a third and 24. They had a third and 20, a third and 15, a third, and then I think another third and 20. 
that's unbelievable. I mean, you you only have so many plays for that, right? So I don't know what Kubiak's supposed to call in those situations. And a lot of people have kind of, I, I've had a lot of people say the play calling was vanilla or the play calling was boring, or I like super disagree with that. I think the play calling was pretty cool, actually. I thought it was really inventive. Um, I mean, you had the tricky razzle-dazzle stuff. Justin Jefferson actually took a reverse and threw it to K.J. Osborne for a first down. Um, and you had lots of pre-snap motion and stuff moving around. I thought you had a really good uh, mixture of concepts from short passes to uh, run plays on the inside and outside. I thought the run game was really varied. I thought um, the the pass game utilized a lot of different concepts. But ultimately, everything was ruined because cool stuff got killed by a holding penalty. And then suddenly it's second and 20 and you're in your behind the chains part of the playbook again. And that part of the playbook is not going to be particularly inventive. It can't be. There's not enough time to set that stuff up. So there's a a lot to talk about. Um, I'll I'll keep talking about some of the other moments of the game as we go on here. But first, I want to talk to you about your office pool. Now, it is not too late to put together an office pool, either a survivor, a pick'em, squares, whatever, and run your pool makes it easy. If you joined uh, the Locked On Vikings run your pool, hope you guys did okay. A lot of people got smoked on this Vikings game. <laughs> Do not pick the Vikings in your survivor pool. You should know better than that. Um, and I think a lot of people got, got, a couple people got the Texans. They picked the Texans in the survivor pool and won. So shout outs to you guys. Damn. If you want to run a pool with your office mates, your family, your friends, whatever, you can check them out today and get $10 off at runyourpool.com slash locked on or use the promo code locked on at checkout anywhere everywhere in the world run your pool helps friends and colleagues compete the NFL season starts September 9th start today at runyourpool.com slash locked on have your pool up and running in minutes runyourpool.com slash locked on we'll move on to the defense in a little bit but first I want to talk to you about Kirk Cousins and let's let's round out the offense with a little Kirk Cousins discussion because I I thought Kirk Cousins had a nice day um I didn't think it was like a phenomenal day I don't think he was like dealing or anything like that um he had his moments and he had moments where he was a little conservative but when you're conservative on like third and 25 like I don't know (laughs) it's like how mad are we about this I I griped a lot about the preseason when it was third and 11 and he would throw a four yard you know stick route or something like that and it's like come on the reads got to be better than that and I know you know they're only calling reads and stuff and it's preseason they might not be taking down and distance seriously and all that but I I don't know it just kind of feels like come on you got to be a little more aware of the situation um but when it's like third and 25 a lot of times you're being told, look, just don't throw a turnover and make it worse. Get some punting position and let's live to fight another day. And if he listens to that directive from his coaches, I don't think that's his fault. Um, and, and I don't think it was mostly his fault that he got back there. The, the Vikings took three sacks for 26 yards. And I spend a lot of time thinking about those sacks and whose fault were the sacks. Um, I think a couple of them were unblocked. I think one of them was Ezra Cleveland getting beat faster than the guy who was unblocked. I don't really call those like Kirk Cousins' fault. Not not this time. Um, at least not on like initial watch. And so and I, I don't think it was largely his fault that like the Vikings were behind the chain so much. It was false starts, it was miscommunications and stuff. But I do think it at like whose fault is the miscommunication? And I think we should probably ask that question. And I I can't answer it because I'm not in the huddle, right? That's and that's an internal process that we'll never get to know, that'll never be public, right? But I think it's worth at least thinking about. There were a lot of throws that Kirk Cousins missed, and things settled down later in the half, and I I thought he did a really good job um, down the stretch. But as things um, 
were still kind of trying to get going. There were a lot of plays. There was a missed play to Jefferson, a missed play to Thielen, um, a, a number of misses that were behind the receiver or late to the to to be timed. Um, and I, I think that is Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson not being on the same page. And then you go, well, why didn't they play in preseason? And even if the Vikings had made more aggressive decisions about playing their starters in preseason, well, Jefferson had an AC joint sprain and Thielen had a thigh bruise. Those guys weren't going to play anyways. Um, so I, I don't know if that would have solved the problem or anything. A lot of people are suggesting that. I don't think that was really the option that like fixes this. I think overall, it's miscommunication. There are a lot of routes that are basically option routes in a sense, um, in that you know your job as the receiver is to find the soft spot in the zone. The quarterback's job is to also find the spot, soft spot in the zone and throw to it, and the wide receiver has to find the soft spot and find their way there so that they're there when the ball gets there, and that's how those soft spot in the, spot in the zone routes work. Um, and the Vikings receivers are pretty good at that, but I do think it was kind of a mixed bag on whether this particular one was on Cousins or was on the receiver. There was one I thought was just Justin Jefferson's fault. There was a miss behind Adam Thielen that I thought was Kirk Cousins' fault, but all in all, they're just not in sync. And the, if you're having all kinds of problems figuring out what the snap count is, if you're having all kinds of problems getting from the huddle to the line of scrimmage and getting in the right formation, you have illegal formations, people aren't lined up right. A lot of that is the chain of communication. And what is the chain of communication? Well, first off, the offensive coordinator decides what play he's going to call, right? He says, all right, here's the play. Here's the formation. Here's what you have to line up in. And here it should be installed and it should be, you know, kind of automatic. And this is the automatic stuff, getting lined up correctly, getting the snap off. That's the automatic stuff. And if you don't get lined up correctly, you don't know who's supposed to be in motion or when you're supposed to go or what the snap count's supposed to be. Somewhere along the, that line, it's getting messed up. Is it that the offensive coordinator is relaying something to Kirk Cousins that's confusing? Is Kirk Cousins saying it in the huddle in a way that's difficult to hear, difficult to understand, confusing in some way? Um, you know, is the language not not tracking with somebody? Uh, or is it just a, seri a series of individual mistakes that is just happens to all come in a row? Maybe it's a big coincidence. Whatever it is, it needs to be fixed. And I, I will typically default to the quarterback when it comes to these kinds of things, or if it's a protection problem, default to the center. Um, so I guess we'll go with that for now, but it's like, I mean, I'm not sure about that, right? I don't know who is screwing up the chain of command here, who is screwing up the, the chain of communication. Um, the other thing about Kirk Cousins is that uh, Mike Zimmer said that he held the ball too, too long. He said that um, coming out of the half. And ah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because there was a ton of quick game. So you're going to see a stat all over the place. It's a PFF stat that says time to throw 2.1 seconds for Kirk Cousins. Same for Joe Burrow, actually. And that is heavily influenced by quick game, which are, you know, three-step drop, get the ball out kind of plays that aren't necessarily reads. And so they don't really have room to hold the ball too long. They're like timing plays. So when you do have plays where you can choose basically whether or not you're going to hold the ball um, to let a guy try to get open or something like that. Those are different plays, and I don't think the Vikings ran those nearly as much. I mean, the offensive line was getting worked. They ran a lot more quick game to respond to that. Um, so I think when Zimmer is criticizing that, he's probably talking about a few specific plays that aren't like showing up in the overall average, which is skewed by all these quick plays. Um, I, I, I want to dive more into that later. I don't know if I agree with Zimmer or not on that, and I don't want to make a declaration like in the moment. Uh, but that could be a reason, right? If you're holding the ball too long and your offensive line has to protect for that much longer and they're already struggling, like you can't exacerbate that problem by, you know, holding the ball. Or if you are going to hold the ball, you got to do stuff to, to buy time. You got to work the pocket. You got to move around, run out, scramble, do stuff like that. And I think Kirk Cousins was a little slow on a lot of things. And he was late to a couple passes too. So maybe things are still kind of 
going slow in this particular iteration of the offense with these skill players, with this communicative body, I guess. Um, maybe things are a little slow. Either way, a ton of stuff to clean up on the offense, and it's all just kind of inexcusable. You shouldn't have to take games that count to clean that stuff up. That's what preseason's supposed to be for, and they had a million problems in the preseason, and they had to spend preseason cleaning those problems up. So now these new problems are coming in because they had too many problems to fix in the preseason, and it's all spilling over, and that really sucks. I want to talk a little bit about the defense, but first I want to talk to you about your game-watching experience. Maybe you are watching the game on one device live, and you have another one that you're streaming your favorite shows on, and another one where you got highlights on your phone, and maybe you're stealing your mother-in-law's password for whatever. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to consolidate all of that without the hassle great way to get your TV together. It is called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? No annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required content varies by package. I also want to talk to you about the best tasting protein bar in the planet. It is Built Bar. Built Bar is absolutely delicious. It comes in nine awesome flavors, all covered in 100% chocolate. They've got uh, peanut butter brownie, mint brownie. Uh, they've got cherry, a couple of different coconut varieties, cookies and cream, all sorts of delicious stuff. And they have like 17 grams of protein in one of these things, like four grams of sugar. It's not going to knock you off the wagon. It's even keto friendly if you're doing that as tasty as it is. It's not going to mess you up. So head on over to BuiltBar.com. I recommend the sampler. It lets you get two of each of the nine flavors, decide what you like, and then buy something else from there. But when you go to Built.com or BuiltBar.com also works, you can enter promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K, ED15 and you get 15% off of your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. So let's talk about the defense. The defense gives up 27 points. 24 in regulation is probably a better way to put it because obviously, you know, more time is more opportunities to score. So 24 points in regulation. That is not a great showing. Um, that's not a catastrophic one, but it's not a great one. And, I, you know, they gave up three touchdown drives in a row. So what happened on those three touchdown drives? And we'll try to go over some people. But really, I think the, the biggest... Uh, anti-star, the biggest culprit of all of this is Bashad Breland. We have to talk about Bashad Breland, who had a great day in the run game and a horrible day in the pass game. Just what you want from a corner. Uh, <laughs> Breland had a bunch of big gaps. He had a pass interference in the end zone that sets up a first and goal. He had, was beat, and that's all he could do. Um, he then just gave up a touchdown when he was... I, I tweeted about this a little bit. Um, a bunch of people helped me with the coverage. It was cover four. And uh, there was an underneath crosser that took Mackenzie Alexander, who was basically playing the safety, the inside uh, quarter of the, the cover four, and Bashad Breland was on the sideline. All of this is a fancy way to say he was one-on-one -on -one with Jamar Chase with no help, and he was probably worried about it being like a Mills concept. Uh, where there would be that underneath crosser, like an underneath dig, and then Jamar Chase would run a post. So he was probably worried about a post. And so he kept his hips uh, pointed to the inside about six steps too late. And after that, Jamar Chase was well past him, and it was an easy pitch and catch for a touchdown. Uh, so that was a really, really bad rep. You just have to commit. You have to be able to to go for that. And if you get beat because you turned your hips, go for it. But you can't just look it in. You know, it's like a like a designated hitter getting struck out with a, a fastball down the middle. Like you can't just look that in. You got to take a pitch, right? So that was really, really bad. He got beat a couple other times, playing really soft, passing a lot of things inside. 
um, that I don't necessarily think he had somebody to pass to, but he was just playing really conservative cornerback, and that's what gets you beat underneath on slants, and sometimes that can get you beat on bigger plays as well if you're just playing scared. You just, you cannot play scared. On the other side, though, I, I didn't notice Patrick Peterson much. There were a couple of times where he had some miscommunications with people. Uh, there was a, a slant that he passed off inside that I think there was supposed to be somebody there, but there wasn't. And then Mackenzie Alexander made what's called an undercall, which is basically if there's an underneath route, he goes and takes the underneath route and passes whatever his guy off is to the outside corner. And Patrick Peterson got confused by that and didn't pick it up communication stuff, you know, new to the team kind of stuff, which isn't much of a concern, but is kind of the cost of having a rebuilt, reconstructed secondary, which we talked about a lot in the offseason. Um, so that was, I thought he had an okay game. I thought Xavier Woods had an okay game, even though he was the one that blew the fourth and one at the very, fourth and inches at the very end of the game. Um, so uh, the, the overtime drive, I guess we should probably talk about the overtime sequence of events. Uh, while we're here. Um, so the Vikings and Bengals basically trade punts, trade fantastic punts, by the way, Jordan Berry had an awesome day. Uh, the Vikings punt, pin the, the Bengals way inside, they go three and out and they punt back to the Vikings um, with really good field position. The Vikings start driving, they're on about the 40 and they hand it off to Dalvin Cook who fumbles. Now this fumble is very controversial um, and people are really talking a lot about it in replay and stuff. I don't know if I'm as uh, if if I'm as like frothing at the mouth over it as a lot of people are. I guess the controversy here is over whether or not the ball was out before uh, Dalvin Cook's backside hits ground. And I thought it was basically simultaneous. There's a lot of traffic going in and out of those camera angles, though. So they never overturn that. Whatever the call on the field is, which is basically a 50-50. It's a judgment call from a dude who could not see what was going on and never will be able to see what was going on. But that guy still has to make a judgment call. It's how it works. And so it's basically a coin flip. Coin flip goes the Bengals' way. They're going to try to review it, but they can't see anything. It's like a blurry mess. And people are looking at it. And, and the announcers, I think, contributed to this. The announcers seemed 100% sure that uh, that it was down by contact, that Dalvin Cook was down before the ball came out. And I just disagree. If anything, I could see the ball start to move a little bit. And if you look at the angle of the ball on the frame when Dalvin Cook is down, is like definitively down, the ball's like perpendicular to the way it was before. Like that ball was loose. Um, so I, I guess I just don't agree with people getting really, really mad about that replay. If anything, it was a 50-50 call and it was, you know, to just just you can't really see it. And so you just go with the call on the field. And that's what the refs did. And I think that was the right call on the on the on the day. But if if you had to make a call, I'm probably calling it a fumble. It, at any rate, don't fumble when you're going down. Like, and, and I think we have to kind of have a conversation about Dalvin Cook and his fumble. How many games have we lost because of a Dalvin Cook fumble over Dalvin Cook's career? It, it, they keep popping up at inopportune times, and it is a problem for him. I love Dalvin Cook to pieces, but he has to shoulder some of this blame. Um, and then the Bengals take over. They actually get stopped. They get a fourth in inches. They go for it. Joe Burrow audibles to a pass, which is like a, a leak concept with guys coming across the formation, then going deep. And Xavier Woods is slow to read it, and he gets beat by a tight end, and there's all kinds of separation. Uh, and the guy gets like a 32-yard gain, and from there, it's a formality. They have to kick a chip shot field goal, and it's it. Bengals win. So... Uh, the defense had a really tough day. Uh, Daniel Hunter had a tough day. He got one sack and kind of got beat up by Riley Reef all day, which stings considering the Rashad Hill problem we had on the other side of the field. I thought Michael Pierce had a fantastic day. A couple of sacks was a 
nightmare in the middle of it all day. I thought Dal- Dalvin Tomlinson was fine. Um, I thought the rest of the rotational guys were way too quiet. You got nothing from DJ Wanham, nothing from Steven Weatherly. I think that was kind of the problem I was worried it would be. Um, but I'll give it to Nick Vigil, who had a really good day. He had some problems. He missed some tackles and stuff, but I thought he had a really... Uh, he was very productive. Um, Eric Kendricks was Eric Kendricks. I thought Harrison Smith was Harrison Smith. And ultimately, I'm not like that worried about the defense, but I don't know. I'm just really worried about the Vikings. How many games are they going to sink before they can figure out how to play football? And, and you know, a lot of people are going to say like, oh, well, the Vikings beat themselves and the Bengals didn't deserve to win and blah, blah, blah. I don't know about that. I do think the Bengals outplayed the Vikings, even if you take away the penalties. But also, why would you take away the penalties? The Bengals outplayed the Vikings by the Vikings sucking. They just didn't play well. And there's all kinds of like just eye-popping ways the Vikings destroyed themselves, obliterated themselves. They don't beat themselves, they blow themselves out. And I think that's just so frustrating. I want to watch a football team play football, not do whatever the hell that was. So we'll do Twitter Tuesday tomorrow. Send me your questions at LukeBronNFL at LockedOnVikings on Twitter. You can also send an email to at LockedOnVikingsPodcast at gmail.com, or you can fill out the Google form, which is uh, in the show notes. So Check that all out. Send me some questions. I'll answer them on the show tomorrow. We'll keep picking up the pieces. We'll talk more on Wednesday about whatever I didn't get to. So I will see you all then. And as always, Skull.